Gospels. And if you have your Bible, please turn to Romans. Let's start over. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be celebrating what often is called the communion or the Lord's Supper. First, let me say that um, many churches will celebrate this every Sunday. Others will do it the first Sunday of every month. Others will do it irregularly. That's kind of where we are now. I will take responsibility that we celebrate this much more infrequently than we ought to. And so uh, we'll, I'll try to do better to have us come together as a church and celebrate it. But one of the reasons that we do not celebrate this is because the communion or the Lord's Supper is not a sacrament. Well, what do I mean by that? The Lord's Supper does not impart grace. God has already imparted grace to us. That is why we take it. We don't take it to receive grace. We've already received grace, and therefore we take it. So this is not something that makes us holy. It is not something that saves us. It is not a participation of an act of good works. It is a recognition of what we're going to be talking about. So first off, it's not a sacrament. Baptists call it an ordinance. That's kind of a weird word that we use. Um, I like a more simpler thing. We do it because he told us to. Whether you want to call it an ordinance or a command or a whatever, it's certainly not a suggestion. And so in, in Matthew chapter 26, it is recounting that Jesus has gathered with his disciples to celebrate Passover. So that's the context, celebrating Passover and the recognition and acknowledgement and the personalization of the freedom of the children of God as slaves out of Egypt to being led by God to being a nation free. And so it recognizes that, and it also recognizes that it was Passover because when the death angel saw the blood of the lamb put on the doorposts, that the angel would pass over. It didn't look inside to see if they had followed the, all the laws right or if they were good little boys or good little girls. It said simply, by seeing the blood, it would pass over. And so his disciples and Jesus are celebrating this holy day before his crucifixion. And at this time, he says in verse 26, while they were eating, and some of us, be, our church is a little uh, more blessed uh, in the sense of many of us in our congregation have celebrated a Passover Seder in our church or in other places. And there is not just the elements that we take, but there was a meal. There was a Passover meal. And then there was a time where basically during the meal, there would be four cups drank. And then there would be um, the meal, two cups, the meal, another two cups with some unleavened bread in between. And Jesus, in this time of the celebration of Passover, he then makes 
this change to Passover. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. So Jesus has changed the meaning of Passover from this being unleavened bread, a bread of haste, to being his body. And it's broken for them. And then after that, it says, and we're told in another gospel that he did this after the supper. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Then Jesus says he will not partake of it until he does so in the kingdom of new. So Jesus has now changed the cup meaning from that of blessings to that of a new contract, a new covenant that says that this drink symbolizes this new covenant in his blood. So Jesus has gone from taking a look at the blood on the doorpost to saying, we are going to take this element and acknowledge that this is what has becomes our Passover situation where the blood applied to us now allows us not to be considered good little boys or girls, but because of his grace. In John chapter 1, one of the reasons that we participate in this is that John recognized who Jesus was. And in verse 29 in John 1, it says, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so we celebrate communion. We celebrate Passover. We celebrate the Lord's Supper because he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin. Now what we do is not what, how we follow the law, but the fact is that Jesus was sent, for the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave, sent Jesus, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. And John early on recognizes exactly who Jesus is and proclaims that he is that lamb of God. But then it tells us, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we are told this in verse 7. Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. So Paul is talking to him and saying, leaven represents sin. And he's saying, we are a new lump. We're, we're not that old lump that was subject to sin, we are a new unleavened group that does not have sin because of Jesus' sacrifice. Says, For Christ, our Passover also has been sacrificed. You see, what was done by the slaying of the lambs and placing the blood on the doorpost was a symbol of what was to come. That Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Passover Lamb, was sacrificed for us so that we might be exempted, that we might be justified just as those who had placed the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. And so we do this because we recognize 
that as he said that this bread that we take is his body, that this cup that we drink is the blood of his covenant, because we recognize that he was our sacrifice. He was the one that was substituted for all that we had done so that we might be justified before God, that he is that Passover lamb. So we acknowledge in this time that Jesus told us to celebrate it. He told us that he's the lamb of God and that he is that Passover lamb. So when we come together, we're to remember this. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to start with verse 23, which is a little sooner than, oh yeah, no, not sooner. Verse 23 says this, For I received, this is Paul, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. What Paul is saying is, I wasn't there. Jesus gave me instruction. So he's saying, I didn't learn this from Peter or John or Thomas. I learned it specifically from Jesus, what Jesus was doing. It's that important that Jesus told Paul what it was all about. So that Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is again why we celebrate communion or celebrate the Lord's Supper, because we do this in remembrance of him. In remembrance that he is the Son of God. In remembrance that he is the Lamb of God. In remembrance that he is the Passover Lamb in remembrance of what he taught, in remembrance of what he did, in remembrance of what he was going to do, and in remembrance of what he's going to do. So we take this not because it's just symbolic and not just because, but we do so because we do so remembering who and what he is and did. And in the same way, he took this cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Paul has double reminded us every aspect of this, the, the unleavened bread, the drink, we do so both in remembrance. We don't do it because of the bread or we don't do it just because of the blood. But each time we take the elements, we are to remember Jesus. doesn't give us grace. Because if Jesus did nothing for you, what's the purpose of taking it? But having received grace, having acknowledged that he was the Lamb of God who took away this, our sins. For you see, that's what I think is very unique about our Jewish brothers and sisters. When they celebrate Passover, they don't celebrate it like, well, several thousand years ago, our ancestors were freed from slavery and wasn't that wonderful uh, kind of like what we do our fourth of july celebration we celebrate 1776 you don't celebrate today but they take it personal and as part of the ceremony they say they have the children ask why do we do these things and then the answer is personal again this is something that we should do 
not simply as a act, but as personal. That it is Jesus' body that was broken, not just for us, but for me. And that his blood was shed, not just for us, but for me. And that I remember that he loved me enough to do that. And he loved us enough to do that. So it says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You see, that's again why we celebrate this. We don't celebrate this because he just had a meal and then went on in his way. We celebrate this because he died a crucifixion death. So we proclaim his death. We're not ashamed of it. We're not surprised. We proclaim it. Jesus died for you and me. And he died for those who even rejected him. We proclaim his death. Now, if it were up to that point, why we celebrate it, we could go, okay, and we could feel really guilty and really sad because, in fact, Jesus had to die so that I might be forgiven. And that Jesus had to die for you to be forgiven. And as we were to take this, we would go, oh, Lord, I'm guilty. I wish you never had to do this. I am not worthy. Why did you do this? But he's added something as a statement of faith. We are to, as often as we would eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We take this as a statement of faith that Jesus not only rose from the dead, because he did, but he told us he's coming back. And since he told us he's coming back, he is, and we proclaim that until he comes. So there's going to be a time when we're not going to, do this the way we do it. Jesus says, I'm not going to drink the cup again until I do it anew in the kingdom. There's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb, and I'm, I'm going to bet it's going to beat any party you've ever gone to. And there's going to be joy, and there's going to be rejoicing, and probably going to be singing, and I bet we're either going to be all on pitch or all off pitch, whichever God likes, because he made more people off pitch than on pitch, so maybe he likes off pitch better. I don't know. But there's going to be great singing in heaven because we're going to be there in his presence with our Lord seated among us because we're there because of what he did. So we do this because he told us to. We do this because he's the Lamb of God. We do this because he's our Passover Lamb. We do this in remembrance of him. We do this to remember. We do this to declare his death. And we do this to proclaim he's coming back. We, look, we live and praise a risen Savior. And so, yes, we can feel melancholy and guilty because of why he had to do what he did. But there should be rejoicing because he's coming back. We do so. Until he comes. Now the scriptures go on. Because I need to share this. It says, therefore, 
Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, I think the, the uh, old version of it, I, the King James Version said worthily. My translation is an unworthy manner. It doesn't say that we are worthy to take this. It says that we are to take this worthily or in a un, not in an unworthy manner, which means all the things that I told you why we're supposed to celebrate this is what we're supposed to be thinking about when we're celebrating this. When you're thinking about the football game, which I know is hard not to think about because we all love football games, then it's unworthy. Or if you're thinking, you know, I'd have preferred a different kind of juice. Or when are we going to be done so I can get out of here? When you start thinking about all the other things that life has, whether they're fun or you're, you know, you're worried about the bill that you have to pay or whatever, and that interrupts why we concentrate and remember him, then we do so in an unworthy manner. But you see, in the church at Corinth, they had done this, but instead of having just the Passover meal, they had what was called an agape feast, which I find an ironic term. Agape means lo the love of God. So they had a feast that was supposed to express the love of God. But the problem was, when they did, you had the rich people who brought in prime rib and, and all kinds of great stuff and high-end wine and whatever it was. And some of the poor people had bologna sandwiches. And some of the other people didn't even have that. And Paul goes, you're denying the love of God by your the way you're celebrating this. And in essence, they were unworthy because it was about them and the blessings God had given and not looking at how God was in the entire body. So to avoid that, we have simplified it to simply two elements. We don't have a meal before or after because... We're practical. Some of you are going to bring food. Some of you are going to work and cook it and make it and serve it. And others of you are going to just sit down and eat it. And the people who are working hard and when they might tend to go, I worked hard and whatever. And brother so-and-so didn't do anything and sister whatever just filled the plate and then took some home. By making it simple, we don't, you don't have to worry about all of that. We simply concentrate on what God has done. Now, one day, in the marriage supper of the Lamb, we don't have to worry about it. So we are to take it in a worthy manner, which means what? But a man, a person, must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You're to examine yourself. I'm not to examine you or you or you. I'm to examine me. This isn't about whether you're worthy or whatever. It's about me and the fact of what Christ has done for me. 
and how I show or don't show his light. Now, the last time we participated in this was a long time ago. So probably most of you don't remember when it was. Are you closer to the Lord today than it was when we celebrated it last? Where is the progress in your faith? Now, we all go up and we go, never in, in the Christian life is it a straight line. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. Uh, we have challenges in our faith. We have victories. We have setbacks. But the progress should be from one point to another. I used to say, if this was how I was at this wall when Jesus saved me, and that is how Jesus is going to make me, hopefully I'm closer to that wall today than I was the last time. We need to examine ourselves. Do I truly have faith? Do I truly act? Not just say he's my Lord, but act as he did. And then by examining myself, and let's face it, probably failing the test, they thank God that his body was broken for me. Thank God that the, it's the blood of the new covenant that I can have failure after failure after failure. And Jesus is the one who will pick me up. And Jesus is the one who said, my blood covers him. He's holy. He's justified, not because of who he is, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. So we examine ourselves, not to say, oh, I'm a great Christian and therefore I can participate. No, I examine myself so that I don't think more highly of who I am nor more lowly of who I am. But I examine my situation. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. So again, the question is, when we participate, is it because we acknowledge that while the matzah is just a matzah, we, in our belief, believe that it's symbolic, not doesn't change, not transubstantiated, but that still represents the body and blood of Christ. And in case you think symbols are not important, when you get to heaven, talk to Moses about it. Because Moses struck a rock when he was told to speak to it. And he was denied going into the promised land. Because we were told that that rock represented Jesus. And Jesus was the struck one. But God takes his symbols serious, and so should we. And as a result, because they did not this, for this reason among many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we will not be judged. Here's the great thing. When we come and say, gee, I'm not worthy, you judge yourself rightly. Gee, I'm a sinner. You judge yourself right. I need a Savior. You judge yourself. The next step is, 
I've got. His name is Jesus. He died for me. And he's coming back. When we break the bread and partake of it, we partake because his body was given for us. And the drink, it's not surprising that it looks like blood because his blood ran red in love for us. And we acknowledge that. So as the band will come and we pray, it's time for us as they sing and as we sing, and we take this moment in prayer to examine ourselves, that we might take it not worthy, but in a worthy manner. And all God's people said,